0: Romans, the 8th chapter, we're going to read once again, uh, starting at verse 13. Today we're going to go through verse 18 see what the Lord has for us today. Romans 8, 13 through 18. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. For if you live according to the flesh you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs Heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Let us pray once again. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you just pour out your spirit upon us, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate your word would help us to discern, help us to know more of who we are and know more of who you are, Lord. So teach us this day. Keep us from error. Keep us looking to you. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's look at verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Bears witness testifies unto us, brings evidence forth that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit does that for those who have this, has the Holy Spirit. And every child of God has the indwelling Holy Spirit. Amen? We, I, I pray that we've all gotten that truth in Romans 8, verse 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, talking about a spiritual identity if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. He is not Christ. He is not a child of God. So every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit residing in them and bears witness to us, testifies to us, brings forth evidence to us that we are children of God. And then the question might be, well, how does he do that? How does he testify to me that I am truly a child of God? And we looked at least uh, uh, two ways last Sunday. Uh, We looked at the, the connection between verses 13 and 14. So let's look at that. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. These are sons of God. So for the last several weeks we've been focusing on that portion of verse 13. It says, By the Spirit be putting to death the deeds of the body. In other words, be killing sin, as we've heard this morning, Brother Brian, in his opening. And this is done not of our own strength, but is done by the Spirit. By the Spirit be killing sin. We've asked this question probably every Sunday for about the last six weeks. And what is the weapon of, of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. And what is that? It's the Word of God. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So to kill sin in our lives, to fight the good fight of faith, we must be in the Word. You know, if you've, if you've ever prayed a prayer saying, Lord, help me, help me to fight the good fight of faith. And what should we be doing? Reading the Word, because the Word is the sword that the Spirit will use to help us kill sin in our lives. Uh, we, we talked about that. We pointed that out last week. Uh, may we all understand that it the sword is what the Spirit uses. And I brought out last week when we talked about this, and I think it's very important because it seems some people are confused about the holy spirit the the holy spirit is not a weapon the, the the weapon is the word of god the the holy spirit is a person the the holy spirit is is god the the third person of the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit you know we we sing the old hymn god in three persons blessed trinity so the holy spirit is is god in us when we say the holy spirit we have the holy spirit we have god in us and and this holy spirit uh is is the one that jesus prayed the father to send In, in john i believe we've looked at this john 14 verses 15 through 17 this is jesus if you love me keep my commandments and i will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, this is the children of God, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So here we have the Godhead all together in these verses. We have the Son praying to the Father to send the Holy Spirit God in three persons, the Trinity represented here in this portion of Scripture. So the Holy Spirit resides in us, bears witness to us, testifies to us that we are a child of God. And how does He do that? Well, last Sunday we said one of the things the Spirit does to show us that we're a child of God, He helps us in that spiritual battle. He helps us in that work of killing sin. Secondly, we saw that the Spirit causes us to cry out, what? Abba, Father, Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. How can we cry out, Abba, Father? How is it by? By whom? The Spirit. So it is the Spirit that is in us, that causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. And when we cry out, Abba, Father, that bears witness to us, that testifies to us that we are a child of God. Do you see that? Because it is, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom, the Holy Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. So the Spirit is the one who helps bear witness that we are a child of God. Abba, Father. Do this. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. This is anyone that has the Spirit in them, will not, cannot say that Jesus is accursed. And here's the second part. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. See, it's by the Spirit that we cry out, Abba, Father. It is by the Spirit that we also say what? Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit brings about a change within us, a new creature, a new creation that prompts our heart to cry out, Abba, Father, and Jesus is Lord. Yes, there will be many who will say, Lord, Lord. But Jesus will say, I never knew you, because they were speaking in the flesh. There was no spirit there. See, that's the difference. No spirit there. that The Holy Spirit brings about that change within us. And in humble submission we say, Jesus, the Son of God, is my Lord, my Master, my Ruler, my King, and I bow before Him. And then we come with childlike faith and confidence before our Heavenly Father, having been adopted into his family, having been made a joint heir with Christ, then we cry out, Abba, Father. And this is all by the Spirit that is in us. Then, out of this hope-filled cry of the Spirit-indwelt Christian, we are led by the Spirit to make war on our sin and put to death all that does not exalt our Lord and honor our Father. I'm gonna read that again. Then out of this hope filled cry of the spirit indwelt Christian, we are led by the Spirit to make war on our sin and put to death all that does not exalt our Lord and honor our Father. That's the Spirit that's in us, that testifies to us. Now let's go Romans eight, verses sixteen and seventeen. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, first thing I want to do is just, just a little word study, uh, so to speak, the, to point out the two ifs. Do you see the two ifs? And if children, then heirs. If indeed we suffer. Now, in the Greek, the wording doesn't give a meaning of doubt or possibility if, as, as we tend to in our language today. It is a reality. It is, a, it, is, it is rather a present thing. And perhaps better translated as since or because. And as I was reading, that's the way it was translated up until about the 11th, 12th century. That's how it was translated. All believers have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We're children of God, and since we're children of God, we are heirs of God. Not if, we are. We are. Since and and because we suffer, because it's not if we will suffer, we will suffer. Because we are a child of God. Do, Do you see The the difference in if you put that if in there, in our language, we we want to say it's an if then. But because we are a child of God, we will suffer. Because we are a child of God, we are an heir of God. And the truly born again will suffer with Christ. Now, here's the question: (laughs) Because you read that, oh, we're heirs of God. Great. I have an inheritance that's being kept by the power of God. Wonderful. Oh, we're going to suffer with him. That doesn't sound so good. I mean, am I right? So what is this suffering? Suffer with him, with Christ. And I believe that this suffering is referring to a suffering or persecution that we face because of our allegiance or our stand for the gospel of Christ. Now, God is concerned about any suffering that we may endure or encounter in this life. Whether it be suffering of a loss in our life. Uh, perhaps a family member or friend. Perhaps uh, financial difficulties that we may go be going through. Perhaps of, of some emotional something that we've gone through in our life god is very concerned about those things and and he is there to comfort us and help us in all in the midst of all those things but in what paul is talking about here i believe that this suffering has to deal with the gospel of christ and our persecution because of taking a stand for the gospel see uh, jesus addressed this in the Sermon on the Mount. He he actually ended the Beatitudes with this double promise of those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And and that's what I believe Paul is talking about here. So let's go to Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And so I believe this is the suffering that, that Paul is talking about in Romans 8, the suffering that we we endure the persecution that we endure because of righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. All right. Let's pause here for a minute. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Next time that happens, say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And then what's he say? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, Don't look at Present suffering, and we're going to be reading Scripture, it's going to be talking about that. Look to the inheritance, look to the reward, look to the glory that is to come. Because this life is but a vapor. In a short time it will be over. But eternity with Christ, eternity with Him. Let's look at John 15 verses 18 and 19. This is Jesus talking again. If the world hates you, why would they hate you? And we, we know about this in the, our present culture, don't we? I mean, just think for just a second. If you take a stand for the Word of God on all the current things that are out there, I'm guaranteeing you will be persecuted for your belief in what the Bible says, right? If the world hates you, and it will, because we're not on an earthly agenda. We're on a heavenly journey. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. We know that's true. They hated Christ so much that they crucified Him. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. See, suffering and persecution for righteousness' sake. Again, I believe this is all that Paul is talking about in in context of Romans 8. Uh, John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of trial or tribulation, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Let's just keep reading some scriptures this morning. 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 12. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12. But you have carefully followed my doctrine manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, and and this is Paul talking, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, now, now listen, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution it's inevitable and if we're not suffering persecution perhaps we're not letting our little light shine quite like we should could that be true let's go to first Peter 5 verses 8 through 11 be sober be vigilant, the first Peter five, eight through eleven, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Did you get that? All believers will suffer. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All believers throughout the world, and we know this, that there are some countries that our brothers and sisters that live in some particular countries suffer much greater persecution than we face here in this country. They first face persecution to such a degree that their life Their very life is in danger. Verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now we know that Paul talked often, about his persecution and suffering. Let's let's read in Second Corinthians chapter four, seven through eleven. Second Corinthians four seven through eleven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, earthen vessels, this body of flesh. What's the treasure that we have within, child of God? The Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, a treasure within these earthen vessels Why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Listen to what Paul says. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. (laughs) Have you ever been perplexed? I have. How could this be? How could this be happening? How could this be going on? I, I don't understand. A state of being perplexed. Paul says we are perplexed, but not in despair. See, we won't be in despair because we know whose we are and who is holding us. Persecuted, but not forsaken. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Struck down, but not destroyed. If God is for us. Who can be against us? We're on a solid rock, and I shall not be moved. Ten. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal body, our mortal flesh. Delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Why? Because they were making a stand for truth the gospel of Jesus Christ well, let us drop down verse 15 through 18 in second corinthians 4 for all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of god therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day now listen to this for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So this is Paul is giving the same message as Romans eight. And I, I read. Uh, uh, I was looking at Matthew Henry. Any of you ever kind of look at Matthew Henry and his writings in, in regard uh, on, on my Bible program I've got uh, on my computer? There's several things that if I'm on a verse, I can just click the tab and boom, there it is. And and just it just so happened, I did that with with Matthew Henry. And and I'm going to read kind of a. A paraphrase, because I kind of picked through this uh, to condense it down. So this is Matthew Henry. In regard to uh, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, and working for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. Matthew Henry. Paul holds the balance, the balance of scale, a comparison which is observable. In one scale, he puts the suffering of this present time which strike no deeper than the things of time, last no longer than the present time. These sufferings, these afflictions are weighed in the balance and found to be light. In the other scale, he puts the glory and finds that this weight is exceeding an eternal weight of glory that shall be revealed. Did you get that? Wasn't that a great illustration? Suffering persecution found to be light. The other side, the weight of glory. Exceeding, exceeding weight of glory. In our present state, we come short. Not only in the enjoyment, but in the knowledge of that glory. It surpasses all that we have seen have yet seen and known. There is something to come, something behind the curtain that will outshine all. It shall not only be revealed to us to be seen, but revealed in us to be enjoyed. The kingdom of God is within you and will be so to eternity. These present sufferings are small and short and concern the body only, but the glory to come is rich and great and concerns the soul and is eternal. End quote. Isn't that great? Uh, uh, I recommend going to Matthew Henry from time to time and reading what he says. A uh, lot of very good things. So let's let's go back and read Romans eight verse eighteen because it fits it fits well with what we just read there from Matthew Henry. For I consider that the suffering of this present time that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, in us. Not just revealed to us. you get that? Because Henry talked about that. Not just revealed to us, but in us, in us. Let's go to Philippians 3. Read this from Paul, verses 7 through 11. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. For us to be in fellowship with Christ's suffering. Let's go back to Second Corinthians first chapter verses three through seven. Second Corinthians one, three through seven. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let me pause there for a minute. What's he saying? that we're to come alongside our brothers and sisters who are going through tough times and comfort them with the same message, with the same word that has comforted us. That's what we do as brothers and sisters, that we comfort one another with the same comforts that has comforted us. Verse 5, For as the suffering of Christ Sufferings of Christ abound in us. Did you get that? For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. So Paul is saying he suffered so that he might be used of the Holy Spirit to bring a message of hope, to write these letters of hope that we still have yet today. Aren't you thankful? Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. See, the sufferings here will not compare to the glory to come. That's what he's saying. That's his message over and over and over again. In Hebrews 2 verse 10. Hebrews 2 10. For it was fitting for him, for Jesus Christ, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through, what? Sufferings. Through sufferings. 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 25. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, "'Leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, "'who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, "'who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. "'When he suffered, he did not threaten, "'but committed himself to him who judges righteously, "'who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, "'that we, having died to sin, "'sins might live for righteousness, "'by whose stripes you were healed.' For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. To live for righteousness. To suffer for righteousness' sake. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. I hope you see the message that Peter was speaking Echoes the apostle Paul. You see that? First Peter three verse eighteen. For Christ awful also for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Why would he do such a thing? That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So Christ suffering upon the cross. Now let's do this. It will be a reminder to us. Let's go back to Romans 5, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. And just let this speak, and just see how Paul's message has just been the same throughout Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him or if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You understand what what he just said. If he loved us that much while we were yet sinners, how much more, how much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Reconciled to God the Father. Reconciled to Him. So that someday we will stand before God the Father holy, blameless, and above reproach because of the work of Jesus Christ. Will you be in among that number? Will you be able to stand and be declared holy and blameless and above reproach because you have Christ, because you are clothed in a robe of righteousness not of your own, that that your sins have been forgiven. John 3, verses 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus came to this earth to be that perfect sacrificial lamb give his life a ransom for many to pay in full the penalty of sin for all those who would believe well i think i believed i think i believe well here if if you truly believed and it's a belief unto salvation then who resides in you the holy spirit and in everything we've been looking at over the past few Sundays, if the Holy Spirit is residing in you, what will be evidence? What will the, the, the Holy Spirit testify in you? Are you crying out, Jesus is Lord? And he's Lord of my life? And he is my king and he is my master and I will obey his commands? Uh, is the Holy Spirit testifying to you that very thing? Is is the Holy Spirit within you testifying to the fact that that God is your Father and and you cry out, Abba, Father, in, in thanksgiving for what wondrous gift that God the Father gave in Christ Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit doing those things? Is this Holy Spirit within you, if you say you believe, and it's a true belief unto salvation, is that Holy Spirit helping you to, by the Word of God to fight the sin that's in your life? If not, test yourselves as to whether you have true salvation. Don't be deceived. Test yourself and know. And know. How will I know? Because of all the things we've been talking about. The Holy Spirit will be evident through these things. To know Him. To truly know Him and to truly believe. Romans 10 verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks. Thanks for Your Word. Thanks for the Holy Spirit that speaks to us the truth of Your Word and enlightens us illuminates Your Word of truth. And I pray, Father... For every true born again believer that they understand the importance of the sword of the Spirit. May we all understand that there is some personal responsibility for us to be in the Word, listening to it, reading it, meditating on it day and night. And then the Holy Spirit will do His work. And by the Spirit, we will be able to put to death the deeds of the body because we will be filled with the Word of God, with the truth of of God. And, Lord, you will use those through the Spirit to help us to fight. So help us to see that and to understand that we may pray and, and seek for help and guidance in the midst of all things. And Lord, should it be any that is in the midst here or who perhaps would listen to the sermon at a later time that they are yet without Christ? And perhaps there's some of them that would say, well, yeah, I believe, but there is no evidence of the Holy Spirit within them. The Holy Spirit is not bearing testimony that there is no fruit, there is no fighting sin in their life, there is no crying out, Abba, Father, there is no crying out, Jesus is Lord. And if they do cry out, Jesus is Lord. If it's without the Holy Spirit, then it is meaningless. So, Father, help them by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the truth of your word that they might know, that they might know you, that they might know that they are a sinner before you, and that they might cry out upon remembering and hearing the gospel that their sins can be forgiven through Christ. So Lord, grant them faith that they might believe. Grant them repentance as they would bow before you, confessing their sins and receiving Christ. And I pray that you would help them the remainder of their days to turn from their sin and follow Christ. Help us all to do that. To fight against sin and follow Christ our Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.